Chapter Seven of Timothy Crump's Ward by Horatio Alger. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seven, Eight Years, Ida's Progress. Eight years slipped by unmarked by any important event. The Crumps were still prosperous in an humble way. The Cooper had been able to obtain work most of the time and this with the annual remittance for little ida had enabled the family not only to live in comfort but even to save up one hundred and fifty dollars a year they might even have saved more living as frugally as they were accustomed to do but there was one point upon which none of them would consent to be economical the little ida must have everything she wanted timothy brought home daily some little delicacy for her which none of the rest thought of sharing while mrs crump far enough from vanity always dressed with exceedingly plainness ida's attire was always rich and tasteful she would sometimes ask mother why don't you buy yourself some of the pretty things you get for me mrs crump would answer smiling oh i'm an old woman ida plain things are best for me no i'm sure you're not old mother you don't wear a cap but Mrs. Crump would always playfully evade the child's questions. Had Ida been an ordinary child, all this petting would have had an injurious effect upon her mind. But fortunately she had that rare simplicity, young as she was, which lifted her above the dangers to which many might have been subjected. Instead of being made vain, she only felt grateful for the many kindnesses bestowed upon her by her father and mother and brother Jack, as she was wont to call them indeed it had not been thought best to let her know that such was not the relation in which they really stood to her there was one point more important than dress in which ida profited by the indulgence of her friends wife the cooper was wont to say ida is a sacred charge in our hands if we allow her to grow up ignorant or afford her only ordinary advantages we shall not fulfill our duty. We have the means, through providence, to give her some of those advantages which she would enjoy if she remained in that sphere to which her parents doubtless belong. Let no unwise parsimony on our part withhold them from her. You are right, Timothy, said Mrs. Crump. Right as you always are. Follow the dictates of your own heart, and fear not that I shall disapprove accordingly ida was from the first sent to a carefully selected private school where she had the advantage of good associates and where her progress was astonishingly rapid she early displayed a remarkable taste for drawing as soon as this was discovered her foster parents took care that she should have abundant opportunity for cultivating it a private master was secured who gave her daily lessons and boasted everywhere of his charming little pupil whose progress as he assured her friends exceeded anything he had ever before known nothing could exceed the cooper's gratification when on his birthday ida presented him with a beautifully drawn sketch of his wife's placid and benevolent face when did you do it ida he asked after earnest expressions of admiration I did it in odd minutes, she said, in the evening. But how could you do it without any of us knowing what you were about? I had a picture before me, 
and you thought I was copying it, but whenever I could do it without being noticed, I looked up at Mother as she sat at her sewing, and so, after a while, I made this picture. And a fine one it is, said Timothy admiringly. Mrs. Crupp insisted that Ida had flattered her, but this the child would not admit. I couldn't make it look as good as you, Mother, she said. I tried to, but somehow I couldn't succeed as well as I wanted to. You wouldn't have had that difficulty with Aunt Rachel, said Jack, roguishly. Ida, with difficulty, suppressed a laugh. I see, said Aunt Rachel, with severe resignation, that you've taken to ridiculing your poor aunt again. But it's what I expect. I don't never expect any consideration in this house. I was born to be a martyr, and I expect I shall fulfill my destiny. If my own relations laugh at me, of course I can't expect anything better from other folks. But I shan't be long in the way. I've had a cough for some time past, and I expect I'm in a consumption. You make too much of a little thing, Rachel, said the cooper. I don't think Jack meant anything. I'm sure. What I said was complimentary, said Jack. Rachel shook her head incredulously. Yes, it was. Ask Ida. Why won't you draw Aunt Rachel, Ida? I think she'd make a capital picture. So I will, said Ida, hesitatingly if she will let me. Now, Aunt Rachel, there's a chance for you, said Jack. I advise you to improve it. When it's finished, it could be hung up at the art rooms, and who knows, you may secure a husband by it. I wouldn't marry, said his aunt, firmly compressing her lips, not if anybody'd go down on their knees to me. Now, I am sure, Aunt Rachel, that's cruel in you. There ain't any man that I'd trust my happiness to. She hasn't any to trust, observed Jack Sotto Voce. They're all deceivers, pursued Rachel, the best of them. You can't believe what one of them says. It would be a great deal better if people never married at all. Then where would the world be a hundred years hence, suggested her nephew. Come to an end, most likely, said Aunt Rachel, and I don't know, but that would be the best thing. It's growing more and more wicked every day. It will be seen that no great change has come over Miss Rachel Crump during the years that have intervened. She takes the same disheartening view of human nature and the world's prospects as ever. Nevertheless, her own hold upon the world seems as strong as ever. Her appetite continues remarkably good, and although she frequently expresses herself to the effect that there is little use in living, probably she would be as unwilling to leave the world as any one. I am not sure that she does not derive as much enjoyment from her melancholy as other people from their cheerfulness. Unfortunately, her peculiar way of enjoying herself is calculated to have rather a depressing influence upon the spirits of those with whom she comes in contact, always excepting Jack, who has a lively sense of the ludicrous and never enjoys himself better than in bantering his aunt. Ida is no less a favorite with Jack than with the other members of the household. Rough as he is sometimes, Jack is always gentle with Ida. When she was just learning to walk, and in her helplessness needed the constant care of others, he used, from choice, to relieve his mother of much of the task of amusing the child. He had never had a little sister, and the care of a child as young as Ida was a novelty to him. 
it was perhaps this very office of guardian to the child assumed when she was so young that made him feel ever after as if she was placed under his special protection and ida was equally attached to jack she learned to look up to him for assistance in anything which she had at heart and he never disappointed her whenever he could he would accompany her to school holding her by the hand and fond as he was of rough play nothing would induce him to leave her how long have you been a nursemaid asked a boy older than himself one day jack's fingers itched to get hold of his derisive questioner but he had a duty to perform and contented himself with saying just wait a few minutes and i'll let you know i dare say was the reply i shall rather think i shall have to wait till both of us are gray before that time you won't have to wait long before you are black and blue retorted jack don't mind what he says jack whispered ida fearful lest he should leave her don't be afraid ida i won't leave you i guess he won't trouble us another day meanwhile the boy emboldened by jack's passiveness followed with more abuse of the same sort if he had been wiser he would have seen a storm gathering in the flash of jack's eye but he mistook the cause of his forbearance the next day as they were again going to school ida saw the same boy dodging round the corner with his head bound up what's the matter with him jack she asked i licked him like blazes that's all said jack quietly i guess he'll leave us alone after this end of chapter seven